0: Hey guys, we
1: are back. We are at Stay Naked with Alicia and Ariana. We are part of the Tina Talks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. We were talking in the last episode about how you arrived at your confident self, because that's one thing about you, Ariana, that I love, 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 is you're such a confident, um, secure woman. And you gave us a little bit of your background about who you who you are now based on your journey, right? And how so many things shaped you into who you are and became this confident woman that you are today. But I also want us to go back and review because you left me on a cliffhanger and I need—I definitely need more and more and more and more of this. And you talked about three things that um, women need to consider as they become confident women themselves. Number one, you said you are not your filter. You know, because we're always on social media, we're always posting photos of ourselves, and we're not, and I added a filter today. Okay, got to go back and change it. Number two, you are not your waistline. Again, we're going to talk a little bit more about what you mean by that. And then the third one was you are.
2: I'm not my vagina. You're not your
1: vagina. And I definitely want
2: to hear what that's about.
1: So, okay. So tell us a little bit more about those three things and why those three things you
2: feel are super important
1: in becoming a confident
2: woman. So I'm not my filter Yeah, it really goes back to being truly authentic to yeah. who you are. And well, I use filters sometimes. Yeah, like there's nothing wrong with that. However, you'll notice that the filter is to brighten up the picture in its entirety. I never use like face filters to remove wrinkles or anything like that. I am not against, you know, plastic surgery or both oh, or that no, sort of thing. Yeah. I'm all for doing whatever enhances the USG, right? Whatever makes you happy. Exactly. However, for me personally, most of the filters are going to be like I said, to enhance the quality of the image, the brightness, that sort of thing, right? So, when I say that, it's own who you are. Own who you are and love it. Men love it when you own who you are. Have you ever seen like a super sexy, confident, amazing, handsome, gorgeous man? Yeah, like what is he doing with that girl? She looks so basic, or she looks like he should belong, (laughs) you know, with someone else. Yeah, she's probably really embraced herself and loves herself, and he adores that about her.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Which, by the way, men are attracted to your mind and who
2: you are on the inside. It's not always about the outside. Exactly, such a mythology. It's such myth. Exactly. Two, I'm not my waistline means I'm not my size. Yeah. I'm not my body shape. Uh-huh. I mentioned before, I've weighed 300 pounds before. i weighed 210. Right now, I'm like at 150, 155. And people that knew me then and know me now. You know what I
1: love? I love that you just gave us your numbers.
2: Yeah. So many
1: people won't. Yeah. Like, they won't even say how much they weigh or how old
2: they are. I don't care. I'm 36. I'm old. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm 36. I weigh 150 or 155. I need to weigh in get the exact amount <laughs>
0: I am uh, hovering on a
2: size 6 8 right now. I you know, I I love myself and I accept myself. And you've gotten to this point through through a lot of uh soul searching, overcoming um body image issues, coming to grips with the fact that I am not my body. I am what I am on the inside. And yeah. so The external happens to be packaged in real stylized clothing because I like that. I'm very feminine in that. But I am not my clothes. I am the me inside. And so when I can own that, I can rock confidence whether I'm wearing heels and a skirt or Adidas tennis shoes and some yoga pants.
1: And And I can attest that I know
2: that about you.
1: I can't say that because that is a true, authentic, authentic naked girl that you are. You will walk around and you are super confident whether or not you are wearing makeup or not or your hair's not or whatever.
2: And at the end of the day, confidence is, the goal of arriving at confidence is not to attract the right person. It's to arrive at an ultimate self-love yeah because that's where true happiness is and when you are happy and accept yourself for who you are you will not compromise yourself for the mere need of feeling the affection of someone else whether it's a loved one or a boy or whatever yeah so when you love yourself enough you won't be giving away yourself for the need to feel loved
1: how do you begin to love yourself Let's just say we know about the filter. We know about the, how one thing that you
2: do every day where you give yourself love. So the first thing that I do is not look at my phone. I use a daily journal
0: mm-hmm.
2: where I'm required first thing in the morning to write three things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. So the number one thing is I have to get into gratitude. And nine times out of ten, it's ungrateful for good sleep or for my bed or for my dog. It
1: could be as simple as I had a good sleep.
2: I'm thankful for that. I'm I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And for me to be ungrateful, for me to be resentful Mm -hmm. is death. Mm. There was a point in my life where Mm -hmm. I was very self-destructive. And we'll save that topic for another day. Mm-hmm. I was super self-destructive, and I was literally running my body down because that resentment and anger and pride was manifesting itself in destructive behavior. Uh huh. And so, me being ungrateful was me ignoring and numbing myself from accepting the reality of who I was. Right. Wow. So
1: basically waking up every day and being grateful for three things. Yeah. It's like a nice recommendation and suggestion we can give the ladies, the Tina's out there that, and I'm the same way, by the way, I do live my life by gratitude and everything that I have, and everything that I do, I give, you know, thankfulness for it. I, I thank the universe for it and all of the, um, the energies that are around me that make it happen. And even when it's not good, even when shit hits the fan for me, I'm grateful that I can challenge it and
2: face it head on. Yeah. 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 It's practicing gratitude. That's, for me, the initial step. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we go back a little, first of all, it's acknowledging the fact that maybe you've been acting ungrateful lately. Yeah. It's doing examination of conscience. It's, you know, how did I treat people today? How did people feel around me? What situations could I have handled better?
1: Can I ask you something really quick? When you go to bed at night, do you review your day? Yes. And wonder if you live your life as
2: the intentional yes. woman that you are. Yes. I do
1: the same thing.
2: Yes. So I, I do. In that same journal. Yeah. I have to... Consult it throughout the day to stick to my schedule Uh to make sure that I'm hitting my target goals. I'm looking at daily goals and quarterly goals. And at the end of the night, I have to examine what could I have done better? What were today's wins? So I still have to find three wins. And what am I grateful for tonight? And then before I close the journal, I look at the following day and I design my day so that when I wake up in the morning, I can get into gratitude and I am running my day. I'm not letting the day run. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, by the way, I think is the reason why you're such a successful woman. I think because you have designed a life by intention and looking at every single day with the intention of doing the best that you can for that day. And
2: it's a work in progress. Yeah, It's it's like everything. When you get into the habit of doing that, your success increases. You earn more money, you build better relationships, you're in better physical condition, you're healthier. All of these things happen. And then we get comfortable and we take for granted that we're getting this way. So then we stop doing the thing that that was keeping us consistent. And so when we abandon that, then we become sloppy. We start gaining the weight. If we exactly. associate ourselves with people that we typically wouldn't have allowed into our circle, we start to behave we get lazy ourselves. again.
0: We
1: get lazy again. We exactly. get lazy. Complacent.
2: Complacent. My income suffers. So we're constantly reacting. And
1: you write your ship. When you see your ship balancing itself, sinking or maybe going to the tip, you balance it back. You catch yes. you catch yourself and I do the same thing. When I, I, I always say that I'm a creature of routine and a creature of, of of stability. To me, stability is so freaking important. Like so important. If I start to feel like that my ship is starting to tilt or that water is starting to get on, I do whatever it takes to get it right back on the middle. And sometimes it's disconnecting people, sometimes it's getting rid of things that are Causing my
2: shit to kind of go I off balance. balance. So interesting, yeah. Because we all require balance. Yes. Then there are those of us, and I'm speaking for myself now. Yeah. Who thrive on drama. So in my <laughs> my my training is in communications, and I was often told that I excel at crisis communications. In the moment of crisis. <laughs> I'm that person you want to have handling the crisis. I'm really good about oh, getting wow. into solution. I'm really good into writing up statements on behalf of the company or the family. Yeah. I'm really good about doing the damage control and managing that crisis. And then I'll lose my shit later once it's all been handled. Right. Yeah. So I'm very Olivia Pope Yeah, you can work on political campaigns I really all could. time. I could. I wow. love that. I love that. And Chief of Staff. I could do that, but I prefer to be the chief of staff of my own life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so when I did a personality test on um, looking at the higher, the hierarchical human needs, like the need for shelter to be, yeah, left to be yeah. Maslow's those yes. yes. My yes. number one hierarchical need yeah. was the need for imbalance and the unknown. That's, oh, that's why I cannot be an accountant, or I cannot have the same day every single day. Oh, I thrive. I'm spontaneous. I love the last minute thing. However, yeah. I'm the opposite. And you need more of that in your I life. too. but I need more of the balance in my mm-hmm. life. So then, what happens is I get so distracted that I lose myself, and I stop making myself a priority. So it's all about creating that right yeah. balance. Yeah. Yeah. Only when you are in balance. Can you really maintain that level of confidence, which is the number one thing yeah. that men find attractive about women? And so the last thing that I said that you said was super intriguing was, I'm not my vagina. Yeah. So when I was insecure, uh-huh. I gave my vagina freely to men because I thought that was where my value and worth was placed. But guess what? When I gave it up so easily, since I, I was telling them, in a way, this is my entire value. You're me. Yeah. they weren't valuing the rest of me. It's, it's like even the one thing that is the most valuable thing. And you're like,
1: why are you not valuing me?
2: Correct. I just gave it up. Correct. Mm. No, I protect the vajayjay. And it's like, no, homie, you don't get in on this until you seduce me up here in my brain first. Seduce so my heart, seduce so my brain, and then maybe we can talk sex. So stop giving away your sexuality, and it's just not your bdayj. It's blowjobs, it's handies, it's whatever, right? It's yeah. Stop leading. No, intimacy
1: that. sometimes It's yeah. just
2: it needs to be it needs to be valued a little more. I it does. It yeah. It does, and that's definitely not something that I valued before. Mm-hmm. I saw it as this act of empowerment and I am woman here in New York mm-hmm. and I'm still, you know, I still believe in all that. Like women desire oral sex just as much as men. Yeah. And that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. For me, that's a deal breaker. If you don't do that, we're not going to be in a relationship. That's just what it is. <laughs> <That's mine> too. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a deal breaker. Yeah. At the same time, that doesn't mean I'm just going to, you know, share it like I used to because precious and it's mine and it's a gift
1: yeah yeah the only issue I have is when we teach the girls when they're early on that if they give it up they're not valuable anymore
2: oh god no I
1: hate that mentality
2: Yeah,
1: oh you already slept with the guy you have to
2: marry him oh my god
1: God, that bullshit. is like the worst thing you can
2: tell someone
1: when they're young. By the way, who's the one that
2: invented that? Probably Matt, right?
1: <laughs> um,
2: I think so. I think the guys, which typically comes from men. All this all this bullshit on women. Ladies, if like someone tells you you're damaged goods, you're talking to the wrong men, elevate your thinking. Elevate Ooh. your circle. Elevate your environment. Ooh. You are hanging out in the wrong place. Yeah. So part of being confident and part of those three
1: things that you mentioned today, Ariana, which is something that you, I know you live by, because I've known you a while now, and I know those are things that you are very, very clear on, Um, is the fact that when you become that confident woman, you realize that all of those three things matter nothing. That filter matters nothing. That waistline matters nothing. None of those things matter unless you don't really take care and love yourself enough to make those decisions as you confront life. Yes, or as you meet your next, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, your next connection. Which, by the way, confidence is attractive to other women as friends. Correct. And as females, I love being surrounded by women who are confident. I really am not intimidated by them at all because what I sense is I get energy from that and that boosts my confidence. I feel I don't feel any less than when I when I meet women that are much more confident, much more, you know, uh, you know, bigger, better than me. I always aspire to that. And I always feel like I will be that. Not that I'm any less than. But you know what? I boost that
2: myself in that way. There's um, there's two mentality styles. One is the woman that hangs out with a group of people where she feels like superior. And she's a bully and she feels superior by putting everyone else down. So that is a bully. That is the most, that is the biggest form of insecurity. And that is ego at its highest performance level, right? And then there's the other mentality, which I mentioned earlier, I think in the previous episode, if you're the smartest, most talented, most successful, best looking person in your group, you need to elevate your group. I want to grow once I've arrived at that level. That's not to say that I'm going to neglect that group that I'm with. It's continue to grow. And so for me, it's key that anyone who's going to boss up and be a part of my life, be it business, friendships, romantic Anything relationships, they have to be on this constant path of continual growth. And that's why I need someone that's going to challenge and encourage me Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. if I, it's like, it's like this this, this thing that I saw on Facebook the other day, it said either we grow together or we grow apart. Yeah.
1: And that's why a lot of marriages fail when they get married very young because they grow apart they don't grow together and i think a lot of those people just tend to either she outgrows him or he outgrows her well even when you're not young i
2: was 27 when i got married and that's exactly what happened in right. my right. marriage of right. 10 years and being elevated to the highest form of yourself should be our continuous goal no matter oh, Your religious belief or whatever it may be to be the ultimate version of myself and I'm never gonna stop because I never arrived at perfection. There is no perfect human being.
1: And by the way, self-fulfillment is the highest level of that hierarchy.
0: Yes. And
1: from what I've read, maybe only one or two people have ever reached that part because there's always something to learn. Correct. There's always something to know more about. Um and I think part of what your strategies your three things that you talked about is things that are actually very
2: doable very
1: if you put your time and effort and put yourself first
2: here's yes. the challenge I love that I love those here's the challenge and here is where I can tell the difference between those who are ready and those who are not yeah so I'm going to tell you right now yes if you are ready or if you are not so If you are ready to change your life, it means being okay with getting the most uncomfortable. I often encounter people who keep repeating the same behavior over and over. It's like the alcoholic that says, I promise to quit drinking, but never does. It's an ism. It's not that they're bad people trying to be good. It's that they're sick people that need help. Alcoholics, for the most part, addicts, they're numbing themselves from facing the reality. So the moment you remove yourself from the actual physical thing, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be. Yes. What you realize is that what you have is a world full of resentments that you have not acknowledged and addressed. So when you are okay when you are ready to address your mommy issues, your daddy issues, your sexual issues, your body image issues, all of those issues. Yeah. You're gonna know that you're at that place when you feel like there's nothing else you can do. Mm-hmm. When you arrive at this point of severe and total devastation where you're like I've tried it all. Mm -hmm. I'm putting my hands up in the air. There's nothing else that I can do. I've tried it. The problem in that is that you tried it. It's the I statement. The worst part about self-help books, it's the self part. No, no, no. You have to go to someone else.
1: You know what? I think a lot of people don't realize
2: that you could
1: have that conversation with someone like a therapist you have or to. a professional or somebody,
2: and you know, they just feel like they can't, they shouldn't. No. So, you know, you're ready for that conversation with yourself when you're ready to admit that you're not the be all end all, when you can surrender to the fact that you don't have the solution in your hand. And when you recognize this joy and this aura that you see from people like myself and you want that so bad, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Now, how you know that you're not ready yet is you're frightened by the idea of acknowledging your emotions. If you are frightened by the thought you're not ready yet and it's okay because you know what? Everybody has to hit a rock bottom or rock bottoms for me in in life. Yeah. In order for you to finally grasp for that help and say, all right, I surrender. I I need help, right? So that's um,
1: definitely going to be the next conversation on how you went about to get that help. Yes. When you have those bottoms that you talk about, because I think those are great learning lessons. Um, and, and, and lessons that our teens definitely need to hear because I'm sure one or two, a few of them may be going through something similar um, and they just need to know that you've gone through it yourself and you came
2: out on the other side and you're still working yourself out through that. Yes, I and mean, yeah. these are the types of workshops that we implement at our teen talks. For events. sure, you know,
1: that is one of the things that was in our core mission from the beginning. How do we give them some of those tools so that they can also go out into the world and
2: go from inspiration push, to implementation?
1: Push, push, push forward. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for sharing those things. And again, I'm gonna give you homework. You've got to put that out there on the social media. See, <laughs> okay, <laughs> si, Professora. Thank you. you do it. Um, okay, so yeah, for sure, profesora. La profe, <laughs> la, la profe. And um, so, yeah, I would love for, for you to share those things out there because I think those are three really good, good uh, nuggets um, to, take, to take home with us. And again, September 28th is our next uh, big event or big conference. We're playing some really great stuff. We're going to talk about um, overcoming obstacles and unleashing ourselves, things that hold us back and i think you've got a taste of what we talk about on our podcast again give us your feedback tell us what you're thinking tell us what you want us to address maybe there's a topic out there that we haven't talked about there's so many oh we're going to talk about oral sex on the next one Ow! <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a little teaser for you guys because um that is those are topics that the teens also confront right yeah we want to be unprofessional, <laughs>
2: raw naked authentic <laughs> um, remove the lid on those taboo topics we can give tips on how to per, like how to give a proper BJ, and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm uh, that, matters. Uh, that matters, that matters. That could be the key to yeah. that could be the key defining moment in your relationship. Makes, you
1: never know. But definitely follow us, tell your friends about us, and give us your likes and comments, please. We want to know what you guys are thinking. Stay naked, stay naked.
2: Hey, guys, thanks for listening. There's more of this podcast. Just click on the next episode.
1: Dr. Ayim. let's continue our conversation. (laughs)
2: We were talking about something that was
1: so, you know, it's just funny that people don't talk about this, but it's something that comes up all the time when you're around girls. Okay. Yes. And we called it in our past podcast, we called it eating the taco. Why? Because we're Mexican and we eat the, you know, we eat tacos all the time. But that is what we called when our men go down on us and go down on the women. And a lot of the girls that we talk to and our friends of ours, number one, feel shame to even ask their men for that. Mm -hmm. Number two, they're afraid of what their men are going to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of guys don't even think about it in that sense. I think we're the ones that are very insecure. So can you tell us some tips on how we can make it pleasurable and nice and not make it something that's a shame?
0: I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, first, let me see that phrase is yeah. very funny. <laughs> Everyone loves tacos.
2: I do. Ooh, like tacos. It looks like a taco. That's not to say that you know everybody eats tacos, but right, right.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll forever change when I look at a taco now. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So no, you know, so orosex, sex—that's what we're referring Correct. to. Yes, um, Or sex is part of your sexual health as a woman. I think the first and foremost important thing for a woman to enjoy sex, she has to know how it looks like for herself. Yeah. I challenge every woman to take a mirror mm. and look at your private part. Look at your vagina. Look at your vulva. Look at it. Mm-hmm. When you look at it. And you if have it scares face. us, <laughs> what do it's we do? It's not going to scare you. It's just like a face. You have to familiarize with yeah. that body part. And I think a lot of the reason why women are sort of, I don't want to say shameful or sort of resistant or hesitant yeah. is because they have not familiarized that part mm-hmm. of the body to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know how your nails look like. Right. You get your manicure done and you appreciate a good manicure because you know how your nails yes. look like. But you don't know how your vagina, your private area looks like because you barely ever look at it. Yeah. Ever. You're right. Mm-hmm. Like when was the last time anybody looked at the vagina? But you should look at it well enough to know how it looks like. So that when it comes to oral sex, you have this reassurance Mm-hmm. Because you know how it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, most guys don't sit there and think too much into it like we think they're thinking. No, no. They really do not. No, I I've asked my reassuring. husband
1: that and he's like, I don't even think about what it looks like. It's not even something that comes into my mind. I yeah. think we as women are just so insecure about some things. Well, not to just...
2: mention, men love it. I mean, right. I've had a lot of insecurities with my vagina. I know I have to mention them before I've lost, you know, a lot of weight mm-hmm. and whatnot. And I used to feel like, oh my God, it's too fluffy or this or that. And, <laughs> and then it wasn't. <laughs> until you know, you know, recent experiences where a guy even took a photo of it oh, and wow. said, "I need you to see how beautiful uh-huh. you look down there." Ah, look at and that. showed it to me and said, look how beautiful and perfect oh, it is. Wow. And I was like, "Like I cried. I was like, oh my God, someone loves my vagina more than I do. <laughs> hey, that's amazing. Yes.
0: I hope it was on your phone though because we don't want it everywhere. It got deleted and removed
1: <laughs> from the cloud.
0: Yeah. So I think that's just it. When a woman is very sure about that anatomy of hers and very comfortable with it, then oral sex is not a big deal because mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, I really think that's the beginning and the end, okay? The fact about the order, it's like anything else, okay? What we consume, what we eat transpire in our body. Right. right? Yes. And so it goes back to what is your diet like? Mm-hmm. Are you eating more fatty, greasy food? Or are you eating more clean? And those things manifest in our bowel movement, everything, our vaginal secretion. So if you feel like you're having persistent orders, start with, what am I eating? And how clean is my eating? Got it. And that can really affect that as well. Got okay? it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if it still doesn't improve, you come see me, a gynecologist, or you're a gynecologist, and they will assist you with that. Okay.
2: So on the other side of that token, what about women who don't like sex, women who um, cause I've, I've met friends who are men who say, man, we haven't had sex in years, my wife and I,
0: uh-huh. or,
2: you know, she's just not into certain things or right. it mm-hmm. happens once a year. And at that, it's kind of very, yeah.
0: You know, nice. what are the,
2: what are, what is that sexual dysfunction called in women?
0: You know, there's something called asexual mm-hmm. meaning that you are not excited or you don't really think of sex as your day to day thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just identifying that that's what you are and that's what you prefer. And then, of course, informing the partner or soon-to-be partner that that's where you are. Because there's nothing like someone expecting A Mm -hmm. and you give them B. Yeah, And I think that's where a problem is. So if you you meet a guy, you're just not into sex, that's not your thing, it's really good to speak up. Because if he's expecting more and you're not, then then that's when the issue comes in. And asexual can also happen in men. Uh-huh. Right? it goes right. both ways, you know, and it's not a bad thing. It's just the way you are. Some people are hypersexual, mm-hmm. some people are normal sexual, and then some people are just asexual and asexual. Yeah,
1: but right. I think even starting and removing the shame that women can be sexual beings
0: mm-hmm.
1: is something that we definitely need to talk about. It's a more modern woman, and that's something that it, you know yourself as a gynecologist, as an expert, says to women. You know, you are it's worthy of being a sexual being, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that this shame that is placed on so many women, or, you know, that somebody else puts on them that somebody says to them, and it's ingrained in their head that they can't be open about their sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that's not saying that you're going to be you know, promiscuous. That's not at all. It's just being comfortable and asking for what you want in the bedroom and with your man. And if you want him to go and eat the taco, he should go and eat the taco because that's something that makes you happy. Right. So we've talked about it before. Like, is that a a non-negotiable? Yeah, it's a non-negotiable because I would definitely want a man who loves me so much that he can't get enough of me.
0: Right. And, you know, I think women honestly have to understand and know what excites them. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of men are kind of going blindly. Mm -hmm. They're going Mm -hmm. off their experience from other women. Or porn. Or porn or whatever the case is. So they're going off. I think she's going to like this. So women have to have some sort of ownership of this is what I like. This is how I want it done. And communicate that to their sexual partner, to their guys. Say, mm-hmm. This is what gives me excitement. Because if you don't give him that, it's almost like telling him, "Hey, you know what? I need for you to go to Austin, and you don't give a roadmap. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may end up in Beaumont, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to get to Austin. Yeah, he's trying to get to Austin. So you have to communicate to your guy. This is what. Gives me pleasure. This is what I like. Yeah. This is what I don't like. So
1: important. More of
0: this, less of this, and that starts with you knowing your body and being comfortable. You know, I'm not saying that some women don't like to masturbate, and you don't have to do that. You don't need to do that to know what's going on. But during the act of it, you can say, you know what, more of this. Yes. Less of this. Yes. Or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. But you have to speak.
2: On and the same token, what do men need to start doing? To help us keep a healthy vagina environment, right? There was a running joke with a girlfriend of mine uh, about a year ago, and she kept getting yeast infections, and she was oh. like, I think he has dirty dick.
0: Uh-huh. So she, would, she was like,
2: how come you sleep with more men than I do, and you never get this, I sleep uh-huh. with more you know, She called it dirty dick. Uh-huh. So like, are
0: there... What are things that men need to do? Like Well, same thing, what they're eating. What they're eating right. comes out through the sperm. And you cleaning know, the semen, their... You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the semen is like, again, a representation of what you consume. So mm-hmm. they also have to eat cleanly and they have to make sure that their diet You're is You're absolutely right. Because both ways.
1: a lot of men who, who are infertile, mm-hmm. when they start to change their diets...
0: Things can improve. And they
1: always think it's the women that can't have the babies. And a lot of times, the men can't produce healthy sperm either. And you're right. right. Sometimes they just have to change the diet and the way they're eating.
0: Yeah, lifestyle. The lifestyle. lifestyle that
1: they lead both ways. They don't think about that. I think women take on those responsibilities themselves.
0: Too much. Too much. I mean, you're talking yeah. about infertility. 40% of the reason why couples are infertile is because of a male factor. Mm. Meaning it is the man, the sperm, the count, the, the, the size, mobility the shape, the mm-hmm. mood, all those things. Mm-hmm. So it is both ways. The same way I speak of hygiene in female, hygiene in male is important. The same way I speak of eating healthy women eating healthy and man. Absolutely. It's both ways. I mean, we need to know our sex and guys, you know, when you taste the, um, semen, you know, there are different tastes because it's a reflection of of him as well absolutely so it's both ways and
1: how do we approach that conversation if we're with a man who's just just smelly not mine obviously but i'm just saying for other women right. well how do you approach that conversation like you do don't you you say, say but just away. no <laughs> but you're in love and it's maybe just a change in something he's eating
2: or, or so okay goes. so
1: stinkiness. but what
2: if you stinkiness. have great sex with someone and like every other week you're getting a Freaking infection or
0: something. Well, use a talk. condom. You need to talk. That's what I would say. Just use a condom. Well, well, doesn't, condom doesn't may may the condom may not same. solve it. It may or may not solve the problem. You know. So communication. You just have to be comfortable. If you're yeah. comfortable enough having sex, you should be comfortable enough talking about what is the issue with <gasps> that. that sex Thank correct.
1: you. That is the key. If you're comfortable enough to have sex with this man, have a conversation. Be comfortable enough to have a conversation. Absolutely.
0: Wow. Talking is the key. You got to talk it out. Isn't it interesting how we
1: allow certain things to happen in our relationship, but then we're scared to even say a damn thing? We'll, yeah, let, them oh,
0: we'll let them into our before we let them into our Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. They're not, men are not mind readers, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm certainly going to speak, it will sound like I'm defending men, but you know, they cannot read your mm-hmm. mind on what you want.
1: No, they can't. Right. We expect them to know it.
0: Right.
2: I used to and then I learned my lesson, just but, communicate.
0: Right. But they're not like that. Just no. like some men are handy men, some men are not handy men. Yeah. You can't expect if you have a broken stuff in the house, you gotta know your man. The man, there's a handyman that will know and go and fix that stuff. And the son <laughs> that's gonna call a contractor to come fix that, that is stuff. So true just call so a true. guy. You so true. Mm-hmm. you true. And,
1: and I think communication in all relationships is like the key. Yes. I think if you don't have a good communication, a good dialogue with your man, you're always going to have an issue, Absolutely. even when you're really pissed. I remember early on in my marriage, I used to just like, oh, just hold it in. And then if when I let it out and I told <laughs> Russ what was going on, he just like, oh, I didn't know that was going on. Like I needed to let it out. So right. now every time something bothers me, I'm like, honey, you did this thing that just bothered me so much. But I got to tell you, because yeah. I don't want it to keep going, you know, keep happening. But if we... We have that communication. We're constantly having that. And he has conversations with me all the time. Right. And so I think that sort of keeps us, you know, really honest with each other. And we're not hiding those little idiosyncrasies that bug us. Even if it's a little thing, it's yeah. always good to just have that conversation. And, you
0: know, uh, in all fairness, women, we, we have so much in that play. Yeah. A woman is a mom or well, not a mom, but you have work, you have uh, other chores to do. And you know, by the time you get into the bedroom, you have been drained, okay. Mm-hmm. And when you get in the bedroom, that's probably not your best time to be your best self because you're drained. you're not feeling sexy. You're not. Mm-hmm. And you know, men are a light switch <laughs> when it comes to sex: on <laughs> and, off. <laughs> and off. We're not, you know, we're, the, we're not a light switch that's on and off. We're the dimmer.
2: I think I'm a man, you
0: know, <laughs> they, say, they say that women are like
1: ovens and men are like microwaves. Yes. That's what I've heard too. Right. It's the
0: whole process. You no, know, that is true though. That is true. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's okay because that's why there's a man and that's why there's a woman. We are created differently and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be created the same and equal. There's no need for that. But understanding the differences does make it easier for yeah. us to flow together. And that's really what so perfect.
1: That is beautiful beautiful flow together.
0: Flow. And everyone maintains where they are. A man is a man, a woman's a woman. There's a reason why we are built this
2: way. This way. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that. Coming from a medical doctor, because Alicia and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. Is you know, the feminist movement does not necessarily mean no the demasculization or emasculating men. No um Mm-mm. and women you know b- to be to be a feminist is to be only assertive right? it's right. to be assertive it's all of those yes. things but it's to own your femininity and own where we are stronger and where men are stronger right and that's just the natural yeah. way that it is
0: i think it's, it's unfortunate so that the word feminist sounds negative mm-hmm. there's nothing negative negative no i mean it's women, empowering women wanting to have equal rights to vote was not a negative it mm-hmm. did not take away from men voting no, just Women have the opportunity to sit on the table and have an open dialogue and have an opinion just like men has always had. Yes. That's all it is. It does not take away from anything other than that. Nothing. You know, so I think it's just unfortunate that it sounds so strong and kind of like I guess it's a society projection of it's a societal thing, be, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not a negative thing.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. And you've been practicing how many years now, Doctor? Are you? Oh
0: my goodness, I have been doing this. Oh, probably fifteen years. Fifteen years. In a moment.
1: <laughs> so, if there is one thing that you could tell our women before they get, I know you see every possible scenario in your, in your practice, women come in with all sorts, either STDs or things that are going on in their life. What would you want them to know before they get to you and it's too late? Something you can tell our young women, our mom, and a lot of our moms have young teenage daughters. What would you say? One thing would be like, I need them to know this because I don't want them to get to my practice. And then I
0: have to Right, tell them this. I think the one thing I would like them to do is get to know their private parts. Okay, just look at it. Because you know, every time your woman comes in for a pap smear, the first thing is like, "Oh my gosh, I, I don't know." You know, they just get kind of mm-hmm. like this shyness uncomfortable. about uncomfortable. You know, it is just like I tell us: like you look in the mirror every day. How many times do you look at a mirror a day? Mm-hmm. Too many. What is to retouch your lipstick, yeah. your mascara? Your makeup, you name it. You know your face, and you know your angles with a lightly. Yes. Okay. Oh, these young girls do. (laughs) They sure do. You know all of that. I need just fifteen percent of that same energy for you to know what's down there. Yeah. Just fifteen percent, not a whole lot. And if you know that, then that gynecology visit is just another visit. Okay. Now, you know you don't feel any sort of shyness and i think that's amazing
1: it. Yeah. um in all the years that you've practiced and all the things that you have seen um how do you view the idea of girls getting on birth control early
0: well i don't and have- affecting their fertility as years go by yeah well we know that birth control doesn't really affect fertility so it's not a contraindication for that reason um getting on the birth control Early on for medical reason, of course, it's wonderful. Okay. Even if it's to prevent. you, yeah, because uh, there's a movement
1: pregnancy. now of like, you know, going all natural, mm-hmm. which is something I did very early right. on when I was 13. I learned about it. But right. nowadays, you know, women are like, hey, I want to have kids in my late 30s. Forties now, right. which is I'm sure something you see now. Oh, absolutely right, especially 40s professional women. 20s. Yeah, forties <laughs> is the oh, new twenties.
0: With being a mom,
1: <laughs> and then you 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 know help them give birth, and then you help them get the vagina back in order. Right there, you, there go. you go. I mean, we do it two all. for one. You know, Dr. The, health,
0: the wellness and the beauty. You know, but it's is there a movement <laughs> now
1: in becoming a little more natural and getting off of medicine a little yeah, bit? What I do think- you see? What do you see in the Future a trending. Right.
0: I think more and more people are recognizing wellness. Wellness means that try to do it without any medical intervention as much yeah. as possible, which is great. Mm-hmm. If you're sexually active, you need to have some prevention, wellness, and Family planning has a high failure rate. Hmm. So if you truly want to prevent that, you need to get on birth control pills. So there's a push for wellness and being natural, but there have to be an understanding that there is some consequences to that. Yes, absolutely. Family planning, natural planning has a high failure rate right and you have yeah. to be highly
1: in tuned with your body for Bury. that to function
2: very
1: highly attuned very because I learned that a long time ago <laughs> and I'm not I mean I grew up Catholic but I didn't follow that but I did follow the family planning thing and that's something I talked to you about right. and something I, I learned at 13 is to sense when I was ovulating and all that sort of thing and even though I you know I w- even after I got married mm-hmm. you would think oh well you're married now you know you're with one person but to me that was always so crucial that I never took anything and my body never put in but I was so in tuned Mm -hmm. with every little thing I don't think anybody would be able to do that if you were not highly highly well trained and like learned
2: to do that to do that because I could get
1: pregnant very quickly and very
2: fast and it sounds like you probably had a very healthy cycle I did very very healthy yeah you knew yourself most women don't deal with that. I I grew up with I was yes I was borderline polycystic ovarian syndromatic. Oh up. my gosh, which but it is was borderline, diff- way different. And you know, but a lot of it had to do with my weight issues. I mean, mm-hmm. by the time I was 24 years old, I was weighing like 300 pounds. I would get a period maybe twice a year. Okay, I lose all the weight now. I'm the most punctual. I know when I'm <laughs> ovulating. Yeah, I know. I know my vagina. Like backwards and I forward. do too.
1: And I learned that a long time ago. And it was sort of unexpected when I learned it because my mom just tuned into this homeopathic guy that would talk <laughs> about it on the radio. Yeah. And he would say to the women, If you anything I can tell you is for you to learn your cycles really, really well. Not because you didn't have to get on birth control, nothing like that. He just said, Because as a woman, that is so empowering.
0: It is, you know, but not every woman has a regular cycle. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And even the ones that have regular cycle, you know, they're not very good at being organized or keeping in track. Keeping in track. You know, birth control pill is not only meant for pregnancy. Birth control Mm -hmm. pill, I call it like a wonder drug in gynecology. It treats so many other things besides preventing pregnancy. Right, like acne and things like that. acne, PCOS, uh, endometriosis, pelvic pain, ovarian cysts. You know fibroids, you name it. So we use birth control for so many other medical indications. Okay. The initial impression when you see someone on birth control is like, oh, you don't want to get pregnant. Well, maybe that's not why. Well, it's called birth control, right? (laughs) Maybe you're on it for a medical indication. Contraceptive, right? Yeah. Maybe the reason why you were started wasn't for that. It was for all these other things. And yet, you know, we don't talk about that. Right. So at a young age, if I, you know, you have a patient that starts at 13, it may not be, there may not be sexually active. They may just have... Really and if they an are issue. sexually active, Dr. Ayim, do you make that recommendation
1: to the to the daughter and the mom oh, that absolutely. they get? Okay. Let you me- have no qualms in saying, hey, you've got to get on birth control. Are you being sexually active? Do they tell you that they're being sexually active at that age, Dr. I Ayim? I
0: find that most of the patients, most of the time, yes. Mm-hmm. We're well, even at a time where these young girls are very... Um, Open, diverse. right? Yeah. In fact, uh, they're <laughs> with her parents. <laughs> And they're telling the story, right? Because we yes. would like—I
1: would—I would not even want my mom. I would be like, "Oh my you know, god, I can't even like look at my mom."
0: change I would say, a vast majority are not so prude about that conversation. Yeah. Um, so, birth control pill is one of many options that we discuss. You know, about okay. long-term uh, contraception methods available, like at your IUDs or your nouns. So, I give them the whole
2: talk you about do.
0: pregnancy prevention and give them the different options available that they could choose from. And customize you based on what their compliance, how how their ability to stick to it is. Most patients, younger girls, can't stick to pills. They forget. Yeah. You know, so something like a Nexplanon that goes in your arm for three years—that's a good alternative because for wow. three years you don't have to think about it. Or an IUD, if you know it's appropriate. So you do have options. Okay. For that. I have that conversation, and the one thing I always mention for sure. All the time is to use condoms Mm -hmm. because you don't get any prevention from STDs from using any other contraception except condoms. Right.
2: Absolutely. And it's been my opinion that women should always be the ones carrying condoms. At the end of the day, no matter what, don't leave it up to the men. Yes, should men carry condoms? Yes. But ultimately, it is us that are stuck with, I mean, of course, there's consequences for both. But the physiological consequence falls on the woman. So it always I always does. encourage girls, if you're active, you have them on you. And we've all been there. Right. Where we're like, oh, but I don't have protections. Like, you're, you're girl, if the cake that. is in front of you, no. no. Nine no. times out of ten, they're going to eat it. And that's important that we empower the young
1: ladies to know that, that you definitely need to protect yourself and take care of that component. A lot of times, they don't even think that anybody is sexually active. And guess what? A lot of married women find out much later that their men were cheating on them and they brought a disease home.
0: I know. And it's so so unfortunate. So unfortunate.
1: uh, Exactly. (laughs) So a lot of times, it's just a matter of you taking control of your body and what goes in your body Right,
0: first and foremost yeah i mean the context of marriage obviously you trust your partner mm-hmm. and you should not feel like you have to use condoms to prevent std yeah because you're married and exactly look, right if it's you against the natural order that, then that's sort of a trust issue going on there right there right
1: wow but you know what that is so beautiful that we have a doctor here because you know so many conflicting ideas out there it's mm-hmm. always good to have. Someone medical who expert. knows medical expert yeah. because you know we've heard it, and I talk to women because my son is 16, and I've talked to women who have teenage girls 15, 16, 17. These are the conversations we're having all the time.
0: You we're have to talk always talking
1: about this. Talking about
0: this. Listen, let me tell you, high school, I have a daughter that's in high school. These girls know so much mm-hmm. more than parents would like to allude to them knowing. Yeah, okay, fact. So if you don't have this conversation, you don't start talking to your girls about it, somebody is talking to them, and they're getting the information the wrong way.
2: Someone else is writing that script. Okay. Yes.
0: So you might as well just go ahead and do it in middle school. Mm. Elementary school, start talking about the real things. You know, be very straightforward. This is a vagina. This is what happens when you get your period. This is what it means. Where does baby come from? Yeah. Be very straight. You know, my yeah. daughter always joke and said that, you know, being raised by a gynecologist, <laughs> she really knew her anatomy. Uh, <laughs> and she would tell them, no, that's a vagina. My mom said so a vagina. That's awesome. Yes. That's what it is. It's a vagina. And, you know, and I felt that was just important because it took away yeah. just the confusion you know, it was certainly not so to encourage good. anything. And I hope I did not. At least I think I did not.
1: But no, I but. don't think you <laughs> encourage by educating them.
2: It's, inform. it's, it's informed. It's information. informed decisions. If they're going to, you know, do things. They might as well make informed decisions and not right. just do by default, but make informed right. decisions.
1: If anything, right? you know the consequences much better because you know what can happen when you do something wrong. Right. Like I was not raised to think like, you know, it's bad, but I wasn't raised to think like you only do it, you know, this way or that certain way. Or like if you do this and you're, you know, never nobody's going to ever love you. That You know, remember how people used to talk about things like that in the past. Right. Oh, if you give it up, then you have to marry the guy because, you know, <laughs> who else is going to like you? And like why is my, you know, why, why is my whole exchange. value? On that whatever happened to right. my heart and my mind like right. that's the kind of thing that goes on but before we go Dr. Ayum, could you tell us a little bit of the some of the procedures that um that you do at your consultation and at your practice besides your gynecology because that course. is fascinating to me it's just the whole so component you
2: could, but you could be my gyno help me deliver a baby and I'm a, also rejuvenating. Yes. <laughs> that's a one-stop shot for but my vagina. You know yes. what hey I'm, I love it I'm
1: 44 and I have little bits and pieces of me that I'm like okay I think Dr. Ayim could because I see that awake liposuction. I'm like, mm, what yes, is that? Okay, talk to me, Goose. Because about that? I need to know yes. about
0: that. Well, awake liposuction is just that. You're awake talking to me like this. And wherever concerned fat area that you have, you want that liposuction removed, we can do it. Oh, my gosh. I do give you a, 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 cocktail, a sedative yeah, a sedative where we're talking, <laughs> you're relaxed. You're okay. very relaxed. Okay. You're awake, you're relaxed, and it's painless because we use what's called tumescent fluid, which is injected into the fat cells. It numbs oh, it so you don't work this at all. I think it's a nice thing because a lot of patients don't want to go under general anesthesia. Mm-hmm. No, that you and know. thank you so much.
2: <laughs> yeah. That that freaks me out. And I've been yeah. under general anesthesia twice in my life. And even though it's been great, I always feel like man, it's a and little scary. About, like Kanye's yeah. mom, you're not gonna wake up from being over anesthesia yeah. when she was on the surgery day. She, she did. You yeah. know Joan Rivers. I don't care people make jokes Joan about Rivers. how old she was. I loved her,
0: and I was devastated that she died.
1: Yeah, is there a big recovery for that one, or is no. it just you go home? It's sort of like.
0: With a way of suction. literally, guys, you know, you get it done mm-hmm. today, you go home the first 24 hours, you have some drainage from the port, which I don't close because I like all the fluid to come out. Ooh, and usually three to five days a week, you're back to yourself.
1: Dr. Wow. A.M., do you recommend that particularly for women who have just like little problem areas? Not for women who are heavily overweight, but that work out and have like a good sense right. of their diet. It's customizable.
0: You know? Okay. So it's something that I definitely need to come in, take a okay. look, and we talk about it. What's the price on that? Well, it varies okay. because it depends on how much fat okay. you're going to take out oh. and how much you got or how litter it is. Okay. So a lot of that factor into the cost. But got I tell it. you what, it's a lot cheaper than going on the on general anesthesia because you're not worried about anesthesia fee or facility fee. This is sort of like you just being under um, in the office, awake. So it's it's a lot cheaper. Got you know? it. But that's one of many cosmetic things I do Right, do, you know? And you
1: have a special here that says a body tight and a face tight. Yeah.
0: So... <gasps> Body-tight, face-tight, I love this procedure. Tell it us uses, a little bit about it. Yeah, so it uses radio frequency, uh-huh. which uh, helps with skin tightening. So first, you know, it goes in and melts the fat. And then the dermis layer, which is a layer below the epidermis, what you're seeing on your face or your body is your skin, the epidermis. Beneath that is your dermis. So it basically causes that tissue to heat up and releases collagen. Mm-hmm. And that helps in tightening wow. and contraction. So you can get surgical-like results without having surgical scar. Wow! So for a face type, it's like having a lower face left without having the surgical scar. So that's mm-hmm. great for Indeed. someone that's got like a double, like not, not like a, a double, double chin, chin, but like chin like excess chin, skin from losing a the weight. Like right. just, yeah, and you want to have a nice angular structure. Right. It's good for that. The body type you can use it for your arm. You know, if you have like your little back okay. wing, your little inner thighs, inner thighs, outer thighs, lower abdomen, wow. even breast wow. lift girl i'm gonna come see you
1: dr ayim do you have a payment plan i know there's yes, women that are just yes. so they want to get it but they're just like oh it's so expensive it doesn't have to be if they divide it up into
0: months. you know everybody has absolutely ways of, have third-party financing with some companies that we're okay partner with where they'll give you medical financing because it's medical right so just like in car financing, and whatnot you can do that or you can just choose to pay it off you know Little by little until you have the procedure. It's very customized to the patient and what their needs are. Perfect. Yeah, so
1: this says expires November 30th. Is that still? Yes. Okay. So, Cause I want to make sure that we promote this on our podcast, oh, on our, all of our social media so they can come and see you for that promotion. Cause yes. you know, our women are always waiting for that promotion to come yes. through and so we only season. have 15 <laughs> seconds to so go season. And so this is a great gift
2: to give that woman that you love. We are mom, so wife, thankful
1: to you, Dr. Ayim for being here. You have been a source of information and just goodness. Yes. Uh,
0: so guys follow me on,
2: To check out more what happened at Tina Unleashed, check out our photos on Facebook and Instagram. Tina Talks To Me on Instagram, The Tina Talks on Facebook, and at thetinatalks.com. Welcome to another episode of Nate. Stay Naked!
1: Woo-hoo. I'm Alicia and this is Ariana. And we are so excited to join you guys this morning. It's a beautiful day today and we are just going to be talking so much about the beautiful event we
2: just had a few weeks ago, uh, the Tina Unleashed. That's right. Ah. So today you get a secret look behind um, the Tina Unleashed event. And it was a real, real phenomenal event. And there were some really great things that happened after. It was such a beautiful event. So let's get right to it. So let's kind of set the stage for you. The event was held at the Union HTX, which is a art gallery in the historic Washington district, um, where you see a lot of um, probably antique properties that were converted and they're repurposed. And so you are in this historic side of Houston and the entire building externally and interior is all white. Beautiful. The light in there is
1: so beautiful. I I don't know. I think that we found such a perfect venue for the event because we were talking in very intimate ways about the things that we felt we needed to unleash things that, um, Just hold us back, you know, from reaching our fullest potential. And I know that you and I shared that day. And it became very emotional, especially when um, everyone was sharing just the things that they needed to unleash in order for them to kind of move forward and get going with their life. Um, I remember talking a little bit about just unleashing my self-doubt and how I felt like, you know. Sometimes I have the imposter syndrome and I deal with it in so many different ways and just letting go of it and not having such a sense of like, I don't belong, um, that it's okay for me to be in different places. Um, do you remember yours?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, um, when we got into the actual discussion, we set the stage by providing our own example of kind of our own demons that we deal with. And so for Alicia, it was... The imposter syndrome, which yes. I had no idea, and in this, in a minute, you'll have to explain to the audience right. what you mean by that. I, I will. For me, my issue was, I believe it was more related to um, maybe body image and not, and never feeling like it's enough, and I'm such a people pleaser. Right. Yeah. And and just me being incredibly hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And I spoke openly about a period in my life where I went through some really. Dark phases. Right. Right. And we borrowed from, from the lessons learned from that, how I overcame mm-hmm. that darkness and stepped into this new life of um abundance and positivity. I don't mean materialistic abundance, but the abundance yeah. mentality. And, mm-hmm. and and so we yeah. we set the stage by sharing our own issues. Um for me, I talked a lot about how. Raised in a Latino culture, yes, I saw images of women that were over-sexified, and for me, mm-hmm. I aspired since I was very little to be the best at everything. I wanted to be the best dancer, the best singer, the best student. Right. I, I wanted to be the best-looking girl in the group. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the most liked. So I had these grandiose, unrealistic expectations of myself, right. and I would always let myself down. The other thing that I talked about was how I was so young. I was only 17 when I lost my virginity, and I, at that point in my life, I wanted so badly to have a romantic relationship because yes. I grew up watching soap operas, telenovelas, mm-hmm. things that really put women into this role of, the beautiful damsel who is rescued by a handsome you know strong man and so for me i gave myself away very easily in searching for the romantic feeling for the romantic emotion and skip the entire part of learning who i am first valuing myself mm-hmm. so that i can then discern who is worthy exactly. of me mm-hmm. Yeah. And
1: even today, right Adi, I think you feel like all of those lessons have been sticking with you either in a good way or not. Like you have to revisit them
2: every once in a while. I never quit learning. Mm-hmm. I never quit learning. And I think that's a topic for, you know what? No, I'm not going to make that topic for another episode. I'm going to address it right now. Mm-hmm. So that is an issue that I continue to battle with. I've discussed on the program before that I am divorced. I've been divorced for almost two, for almost two years now. I right. did some uh-huh. serial dating And there is something within me that it's, it's this limiting belief that's preventing me from really receiving what is meant for me. Yes, girl. And I say that because I Mm -hmm. have this, this pattern where I continue to fall for men who are unavailable to Mm -hmm. me, whether Mm -hmm. they're emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. or just, physically Exclusively with unavailable we can't be exclusive yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what I learned in the last you know year that I you know that I was dating is fun can be had anywhere at any time I've proven that I can be or that I can feel yes like the most gorgeous girl in the room mm-hmm. I have had the experience of you know, being asked out by the most handsome man in any room. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've proven that. So what? Mm -hmm. Well, now that's not enough. Now I don't want that. I want to create meaning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want
2: to be a complete woman who is accompanied by a complete man. Mm -hmm. And together we create and build. It's not about completing each other. It's about creating and building. But there's this thing that keeps happening to me. Yeah. Where I sell myself short. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it goes back to that story that you shared from the beginning, the story of not feeling like you're good enough at the at some point and that you needed to have that validation from the men. But I think at this point where you are now in your life, I think you've discovered that you have the tools. Not only the tools mentally, physically, spiritually, because you are a very spiritual person, to f- to face them and to be like, hey, this is not right. I don't like this. And moving forward and setting those boundaries for yourself. And I think that's something that I've discovered about you along the way. And I sort of think, you know, sometimes I don't know if you're asking me or you're wondering if I'm going to step in at some point, but I think you always see that I, you know, what I'm talking about or what you, what I mean without having to be overtly, you know, bitchy about it. But, um, I think, I think if anything, I always try to get you to see your own, your own value system. You know, sometimes you need a girlfriend to remind you you're valuable, you're beautiful you're perfect and that you deserve those things that you've been wishing for and they're not going to be those things outside of, of of the realm of possibilities they are totally possible you're just not giving yourself that opportunity to make them possible
2: I just don't know why I keep
1: doing it well and I think it's because you're just still um you're just still sort of going through those 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 things on your own and I think that's a really beautiful thing that you're unleashing now And um, it's a process. I think that's something that we all learn that it's a process. And can I tell you, I've, I've discovered a lot of things about myself along the way too. even through the whole unleashing thing. I discovered that I don't um, tolerate a lot of things like I used to.
0: Huh?
2: Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't put up with a lot of nonsense as I used to, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I used to just sort of be the one that would just take on a a task and just run with it and be like, Oh, I'll, I'll do it. I'll get it done. And I discovered that about myself too, through this whole unleashing thing that I just need to stop being everybody's savior, everybody's helper, everybody's. So even when I saw you struggling and having your challenges, I determined that you would come to those challenges on your own and that if you needed me to jump in and be like that source of, strength, if you needed that, then I would be there for you, but I wasn't gonna overt- going to be over You going to assume that position. I wasn't going to assume that position. Why? Because number one, you're a very smart woman. You're a very mature, intelligent woman. And, um, making that assumption would put you in a condescending way. That's sort of like saying she's a little girl. She needs me. I need to lift her up. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, can I be a source of wisdom for you? Can I be a source of strength for you? Because, one thing I do have is is a real clear sense of who I am. And if you need to borrow some of that fucking confidence, I'm more than happy to give it away. And I and love that. push that on you. But also not in a way where I'm going to be like, you know, listen to me right now. Right. What I will do, however, which I did for you this morning, as I said you are so worthy. You are so valuable. Get out of that place and move forward. Because I feel like you're just on the verge of just breaking away from whatever's holding you back.
2: And that's a pattern that I've seen in my life where I'm at this exponential growth opportunity and I self-sabotage. And that's exactly what unleashing was about. It is. Absolutely. And and so we're not perfect beings always seeking perfection. We're humans and we're going to we're gonna default, right? And the 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 idea, though, is to be so aware. Yes. Keyword. To be so aware and to say, okay, I'm falling. Of course, this does not feel right. And for me, I can tell you, I have not had internal peace. And when my internal peace is disturbed, as the movie says, mm-hmm. there's a disturbance in the force. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And I and <laughs> I, I I shared a bit at Tina Talks, you and did. this we will save for another podcast, but I talked about my journey in sobriety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this month I celebrated three years without a Amazing.
1: drink Amazing, congrats!
2: and I've felt that interior peace. I felt what we call the pink cloud, mm-hmm. which is you feel like you're living in this new realm. You are woke, you are alert, you are Nothing can phase you. If you look at the external circumstances, materialistically, nothing has really changed. Mm -hmm. It's the internal that changed. And so my attitude, my, the way that I show up in life is different. And right now I can say that I've been showing up in life half ass. Mm -hmm. I haven't been showing up the way that I have before. And I'm not going to beat myself up for it. We all indulge our inner child, which is what I think I've been doing, but enough is enough. But at the same
1: time the fact that you have that awareness that you have not you know because i i know that there's moments in everybody's life that we all go through these periods of like oh i'm so tired of being just always on point always working oh you just get tired of it like that sense just like oh i can't do it anymore but always going back, I call it like rocking my boat. Like that's what I feel. Like whenever shit isn't going right for me, it's like my boat is like getting water in it. And I can't stop from the water to come in my boat. And I'm like trying so hard to put the water out because I'm going to sink at some point. But my either my boat is rocking And I'll tell my husband that I'll say, I feel like my boat is rocking and I I can't, I can't have it rock. I need it to be steady. Like that is one of my things. Like I need steadiness for everything. But at the same time, I've been sensing, and that's something that happened to us, you and I both. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next episode, how both of our boats were at the point where they were ready to sink right before that event.
2: That boat was about to tip over. It was. It was a <laughs> Titanic
1: happening so fast, and, and we quartet couldn't stop was it. Playing. And the quartet was <laughs> playing. Yes, and it was happening to us, and we saw the tip.
2: We saw that boat tipping over. Remember that? Yes, and you know what? We embraced each other, and I just want to thank you for your strength <sighs> and for your resilience and for for being the voice of reason when I need it. And really I couldn't imagine doing something like this without you. The fact that we kind of didn't even hit it off that well when we first met and the fact <laughs> that we're there's a whole complete different level of trust when we put both of our names down on an LLC. Yeah. partnership. I know sharing a bank account like <laughs>
1: like there's nobody Like, <laughs> I know, but you know what? I think a part of that process and signing on to being partners is actually being a partnership. It's actually saying, Hey, I and that's what I said to you those days before. You need me to lift you up, I will lift you up. You need to lift me up, you will lift me up. That is what we're supposed to do for each other. We don't sign up to something saying, Adi, you're going to do everything. Alicia, you're doing everything. You don't sign up to anything thinking that. Let's wait for that on the next episode because this is like
2: Yes, and yeah, that's yeah. that's what true uh, queens do. And uh, that's what Tina is all about. And that's what Tina's about. Tina is about empowering women, sharing our examples on how we empower each other, being completely transparent about, you know, how we struggle because we know that other women go through their own things and they have worse things. Look, I was at a meeting yesterday. Where I met a young mother who, you know, was kicked out by her husband, who had physically abused her for years. She lost her children to CPS. She's unemployed, doesn't have a wow. means of transportation and is living by herself. and she is devastated every time she comes home to mm-hmm. an empty home without her family there. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I attend these types of meetings is, one, it's for my own sanity. But secondly, it helps me get out of myself.
1: Perspective, right?
2: Correct. Mm. Gratitude. Gratitude. At the end of the day, if you look at my life, I'm very privileged. I'm very spoiled. This weekend, I was at a family reunion, and I was speaking with one of my family members who Mm -hmm. recently went on this train excursion in Mexico, Wow. And she went to visit these copper mines.
1: Interesting. And there
2: there are indigenous people that live inside the caves. I'm talking like 20 families inside a cave. No electricity, no water. There's an outhouse. Families sharing cots. They're walking their children to the nearest school, which is miles and miles away. Mm. There's no roads. There's no pathways. Mm -hmm. They're walking on... Little chanclas, little sandals on big real boulder rocks, not like this decorative pebbles, like real mountain rocks. Mm, wow. Taking their kids to the local town. The the town is so far away that the kids sleep at the school the whole week and then the moms come and pick them up back up that Friday. And the teachers are staying Amazing. with the kids 24-7. But the but these people valued their education so much that they make that sacrifice. And they're teaching these kids to create, you know, artisanal things, to build things, to sell things, not to be beggars. Wow. And so when I heard that story, I thought, here I am throwing away Nikes and Adidas shoes or mm-hmm. I don't throw them away. I, I, I take them no, to families I'm, in you need. donate them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important to get out of ourselves. And that is one thing that we discussed at the Unleashed event: getting out of our own head, getting out of our own selves. A problem. Getting is that out we of have.
1: our own way. Exactly. We are our worst sabotager. You just said it this morning. You just said it earlier. You just said it 10, 15 minutes ago. You sabotage yourself when you know you're ready for the
0: next part. And it's subconscious. It you is don't go subconscious. into it No, you know like,
1: exactly. I'm gonna fuck this up now. No, it's a subconscious, but it's it's connecting to that subconscious thing, unleashing it, and letting it go. And not letting it capture you anymore and take over whatever you need to do to move forward. And so
2: how do we do that, Mm -hmm. right? That's what we discussed at Tina. We did. We talked about it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what that that looked like. Yes. So it started out with our chat.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then some of the women opened up and shared some of the issues they were dealing with, right? So we gave them a worksheet where we gave some examples of different situations like do you often find yourself yelling at other drivers on the road? Mm Do you find yourself becoming extremely impatient, waiting in long lines, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then they started to check off the ones that they, you know, that they, they identified with. Yeah. And then they started to share, you know, kind of the source of their frustration for that. And then we looked at a word scramble and we looked at, um, you know, like, what are some ways that you've been you know feeling lately it's like anger resentment jealousy yeah. bitterness all of that and these so these these worksheets were designed to help women in a concrete way visualize and see for themselves their pattern yeah because we live with ourselves every day and if we were to, so you know, when you did go on a nutrition plan, you document the hours you worked out, the meals you eat, mm-hmm. the grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. If we documented and journaled our emotional outbursts and our behaviors, yeah. <laughs> right. We would be probably shocked at how more often we behave a certain way than we thought. And so that was taking that inventory, right? Mm-hmm. And then, we got to a point where we started sharing, you know, what was the biggest frustration, emotional hangup? There were women who shared, you know, these are women who have teenage daughters, but they themselves, the women have issues with their mothers. Yeah. That they haven't forgiven their mothers for things that happened when they were teenagers. So it's like, okay, you're at an, at an interesting point in your life because your daughter is now the age you were when you had this experience, right? How are you preparing for your daughter feeling the same way about you. And what are you doing to exemplify that for your daughter? When will you forgive your mother so that your daughter can live in peace and forgive you? Right. And all of those things that we carry from childhood. We all have mommy, daddy issues. We
1: do. We all do. We all carry something that our parents, and that's, that's so much like psychotherapy that I've heard that, you know, you always go back. Okay. To your childhood. Absolutely. Because all of those things were established when you were very young.
2: Our internal Hang dialogue, ups, those, our internal voice mm-hmm. is developed by the age of six.
1: Can we talk a little bit about how you felt when your mom walked in the room? <laughs> because that changed the dynamic for you. And I think it's something that our listeners need to hear because it did change a little bit of how you approach the conversation.
2: Well, I'm curious to hear first how did you see that? Because I probably do this all the time and don't even notice. Well,
1: no, when I and so I've never met her. I think I've met her one time, but I don't remember her very well. Mm -hmm, At your birthday, Um, and just sensing a tightening on your body. I'm not sure if. if it happened at the moment when you saw her, or later, but I remember turning to you and looking at you, and you just tightened up, and you had a little bit of like a, like a, you held your breath a little, and you said, "That's my mom. I didn't think she was coming," <laughs> and so I just didn't know what to think of it. But I what I did sense from you was like you were not. Uh, oh, so you you regrouped, right? You regrouped immediately. You know, you were on a flow and yes. that flow was sort of hit on its path and you regrouped you
2: regained yourself I felt the same way that I I felt sure the same way as when I was a second grader playing the violin and performing on stage for the first time and seeing my mom walk in yeah. and seeing her in the audience I felt the same way
1: Are you on a constant um path to make her happy
2: No I don't think it's necessarily that it's that I let it all hang out all the time. And this time, you know, when we have these podcasts, when we have the Tina Talks, I tend to be a little bit more edgy than usual. And obviously I say things that I typically wouldn't say in front of my mother. Right. So when I saw her walk in, I Uh thought in that split second, okay, do I clean up the act because she's here? And then when you felt me kind of have that sense of relief, I said, no. Uh Uh-huh. I'm my own woman. Yeah. She's coming to my event. Mm-hmm. She's going to love me regardless. I'm going to continue to let it all hang out. I'm going to be completely transparent. And you said to me, my mom knows me. My mom knows me, which is so
1: key because you think, okay, I need to clean it up because she's around. You don't because your mom knows you. You know, she knows you're a dirty girl. <laughs> my mom is too, but I would, you know, if she was to come into the room, I would definitely try to behave better. But at the same time, she knows I'm a loud mouth. She knows I'm opinionated. And she knows at this point in my life as a 44 year old woman, she can't do anything about it, (laughs) even if she tried. Exactly. But I think that was such a really interesting moment. And not only that, but her telling you at the end how she loved it, had a great time and enjoyed the conversation, which is so special. If anything, Ariana, if you didn't touch anyone, your mom left that room knowing her daughter
2: pulled it off. Thank you for that. Thank
1: and I you. think that is, that is priceless. Those moments with our parents, because I know it, because I do everything to make them proud. Everything I do in my life, I do it so that they're proud of me. I think we
2: need to have a podcast with our parents.
1: And, <laughs> <laughs> and if I was to do anything that would bring shame to my mom or, or my dad, would just kill me. Any little mistake I make, I want to make sure that I don't make it because I don't want them to think that I made a mistake. And that moment you had at the end when you just turned around and your face was just the most happiest. Like, she loved it. She had a great time. She said it was the best thing. It was a great experience. How lovely to have that experience. No doubt. And so if anything, go home with that sense that she loves you, she appreciates you, and she's proud of you.
2: Thank you. And I felt it.
1: I sensed it. It was a
2: beautiful moment. Thank you. I think, I think it was adorable that she started to chime in. It's and Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> she was saying, you know, like, y'all wouldn't believe it. Ariana was a super shy little girl. She wouldn't talk to anybody. She wouldn't even laugh. She wouldn't giggle. People didn't believe it. And when we left, she said, and there I go again, getting all up in the mix and
0: no. giving my two cents. I
2: was like, mom, It. they loved it. Loved it. You added to it. And I was like, plus- you are you and i know you and i value you and beautiful and 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 we created something different and it is what it is and interestingly enough Sweet. i think ever since then our ability to navigate together mm-hmm. has been a little easier i'll give you an example Mm -hmm. we travel this weekend and you know anytime you're in a confined space with your mother for x amount of days like there's always gonna be some kind of tip oh (laughs) tens exactly so everything was great yeah she and i go to brunch at our favorite place down in south texas in far yeah and the waiter brings out the plates and she said i didn't order this and i said yes you did and she looks at me like how dare you and the waiter was like, You ordered the huevos rancheros. She's like, But I always get the huevos divorciados when I come here. I was like, but you might have been thinking divorciados, but you verbalize rancheros. I was listening to you, mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It even surprised me. Perhaps I should have said, Are you sure you don't mean you know the other plate?
1: Yeah, because you're used to it you've heard her.
2: So say then she was like, it, yeah. No, that's not what I want. And the waiter was like, Well, you know, since it wasn't my mistake, I can't replace the order. So if you want to order an additional plate, My mom was like, no, just take the plate away. I'm not eating anything. I'm leaving. Uh huh. And I hate it when she does that shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, she looked at me like, what are you doing? You should never contradict me. You should have just had my back. And in that moment, I was like, you know what, mom? I'm just going to step out and catch my breath for a little bit. I'm going to get some fresh air. I was mad. So I went and I stepped outside and I was just fuming. And then I thought, okay, Mm -hmm. she's got a point. I could have her back because that's my mom and I just got her back. But at the same time, like... I'm the kind of person that when I see something, like I yeah. have to be honest about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
2: my lesson was like, okay, maybe next time I just shut up. You you don't sugarcoat it. I don't. And I
1: think that's a good thing. I she don't think me you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She did. She did. <laughs> but at the same time, she's kind of looking for loyalty, you know. Right. It's so funny because even with your parents, you just never know what's just gonna be. You really don't. Okay, yeah. So
2: then I walk back in after I've pulled down. And I sit in front of her and she looks at me and you can see in her face, she just wanted to cry. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I keep doing this to you. I'm so sorry. And I was like, mom, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Mm -hmm. You are you. It's part of the show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But how beautiful that you've come to that understanding because a lot of people struggle with that. They don't understand that their parents are that way or they're different or that you've grown up in such a different way from them and they don't leave a lot of those um those thoughts behind they carry them along with them all the time you just learn to manage them you just learn to manage your parents
2: well and if we're going to be talking about being unapologetically you and embracing each other our mother is the first one we should empower yes for sure because she also seeks our approval the way we've sought hers
1: yeah and you know what? We don't think about that. I never think that she seeks my approval, but she seeks my approval all the time. In conversations that she has, she just wants to know if I'm okay with it. Tell what your mom I think how beautiful she
2: looks next time. And See I, how much of a difference that makes. Yeah. Tell her more often how beautiful she
1: is. Point out the good qualities And I in her. don't. And I don't because, you know, I
2: just assume. Well, because they don't on us. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, is that I don't know about your mom, but my mom wasn't raised with words of affirmation. So they were very pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get shit down kind of women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't have her little heart, you know? Yeah. I I just see mom as this mom.
1: You know what? And I always see her as like a superpower. Yes. Someone that doesn't need any, like anything from anything. But honestly, in the last few years, I see her as more vulnerable and more um, delicate. And I feel like I need to advocate a lot more for yes. her because she won't advocate for herself. No. She will just let shit happen. And I'm like, no, you can't let that happen. Like yeah. the doctor can't do that to you. Or what medicine that they give you, that's fucked up. They can't give you that medicine. Mom, you're not, you, that's, you're just not for it. And so I jump in every time for her. And sometimes I feel like maybe I jump in too much. But honestly, if I didn't jump in, I think she would sense that I'm not care- caring for her anymore. And I hug her and I kiss her all the time, but I don't think I tell her how beautiful and special she is.
2: See, my mom doesn't like hugs or kisses, but when I tell her like, mom, oh my God, you look so good in this photo. She's like, you think so? I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, mom, you and I look just alike. And she's like, no, we don't.
1: Hey guys, we are back. We are at Stay Naked with Alicia and Ariana. We are part of the Tina Talks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. We were talking in the last episode about how you arrived at your confident self because that's one thing about you, Ariana, that I love, love, love is that you're such a confident, um, secure woman. And you gave us a little bit of your background about who you or who you are now, based on your journey, right? And how so many things shaped you into who you are and became this confident woman that you are today. But I also want us to go back and review because you left me on a cliffhanger and I need, I definitely need more, 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 more of this. And you talked about three things that um, women need to consider as they become confident women themselves. Number one, you said you are not your filter. You know, because we're always on social media, we're always posting photos of ourselves and we're not and I added a filter today. Oh! Okay, gotta go back and change it. Number two, you are not your waistline. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about what you mean by that. And then the third one was you are. I'm not my you're vagina. You're not your vagina. And I definitely want to hear what that's about. So, okay. So tell us a little bit more about those three things and why those three things you
2: feel are super important
1: in becoming a confident
2: woman. So I'm not my filter Yeah, really goes back to being truly authentic to yeah. who you are. And well, I use filters sometimes. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. However, you'll notice that the filter is to brighten up the picture in its entirety. I never use like face filters to remove wrinkles or anything like that. I am not against you know plastic surgery or Botox oh, or anything. No. Sort of yeah. I'm all for doing whatever enhances the USG, right? Whatever makes you happy. Exactly. However, for me personally, most of the filters are going to be like I said to enhance the quality of the image, the brightness, that sort of thing, right? So. When I say that, it's own who you are. Own who you are and love it. Men love it when you own who you are. Have you ever seen like a super sexy, confident, amazing, handsome, gorgeous man? Yeah. You're like, what is he doing with that girl? She looks so basic or she looks (laughs) like he should belong (laughs) with someone else. Yeah. She's probably really embraced herself and loves herself, and he adores that about her. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? Which, by the way, men are attracted to your mind and who you are on the inside. It's not
2: always about the outside. Exactly.
1: That's such a mythology. It's such myth.
2: Exactly. Two, I'm not my waistline means I'm not my size. Yeah. I'm not my body shape. Uh-huh. I mentioned before, I have weighed 300 pounds before. I weighed 210. Right now, I'm like at 150, 155. And people that knew me then and know me now. You know what I
1: love? I love that you just gave us your numbers. Yeah, so many people won't. Yeah, like they won't even say how much they weigh or how old they are. I don't
2: care. I'm thirty six years old. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm thirty six. I weigh one fifty 150 or one fifty five. I need a weigh-in to get weigh the exact <laughs> amount. I am hovering on a size six eight right now. I. You know, I I love myself and I accept myself. And you've gotten to this point through through a lot of uh, soul searching, overcoming um, body image issues, coming to grips with the fact that I am not my body. I am what I am on the inside. And so the external happens to be packaged in real stylized clothing because I like that. I'm very feminine in that. But I am not my clothes. I am the me inside. And so when I can own that, I can rock confidence whether I'm wearing heels and a skirt yeah. or Adidas tennis shoes and some yoga pants.
1: And I, and I can attest that I know that about you. I can say that because that is a true, authentic, authentic, naked girl that you are. You will walk around and you are super confident whether or not you are wearing makeup or
2: not or your hair's not or whatever. And at the end of the day, confidence is... The goal of arriving at confidence is not to attract the right person. It's to arrive at an ultimate self-love. Yeah. Because that's where true happiness is. And when you are happy and accept yourself for who you are, you will not compromise yourself for the mere need of feeling the affection of someone else, whether it's a loved one or a boy or whatever. Yeah. So when you love yourself enough, you won't be giving away yourself for the need to feel loved.
1: How do you begin to love yourself? Let's just say we know about the filter. We know about the, how one thing that you do every day where you give
2: yourself love. So the first thing that I do is not look at my phone. I use a daily journal Mm -hmm. where I'm required first thing in the morning to write three things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. So the number one thing is I have to get into gratitude. And nine times out of 10, it's I'm grateful for good sleep or for my bed or for my dog. It
1: could be as simple as I had a good sleep. I'm
2: thankful for that. I'm I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And for me, to be ungrateful, for me to be resentful Mm -hmm. is death. Mm. There was a point in my life Mm -hmm. where I was very self-destructive and we'll save that topic for another day. Mm -hmm. I was super self-destructive and I was literally running my body down because that resentment and anger and pride was manifesting itself in destructive behavior. Uh huh. And so, me being ungrateful was me ignoring and numbing myself from accepting the reality of who I was. Right. Wow.
1: So, basically, waking up every day and being grateful for three things. Yeah. So That's like a nice recommendation and suggestion we can give the ladies, the Tinas out there that. And I'm the same way, by the way. I do live my life by gratitude, and everything that I have and everything that I do, I give you know thankfulness for it. I I thank the universe for it, and all of the um the energies that are around me that make it happen. And even when it's not good, even when shit hits the fan for me, I'm grateful that I can
2: challenge it and face it for head on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's practicing gratitude that's. For me, the initial step. Mm-hmm. But if we if we go back a little, first of all, it's acknowledging the fact that maybe you've been acting ungrateful lately. Yeah. It's doing examination of conscience. It's, you know, how did I treat people today? How did people feel around me? What situations could I have handled better?
1: Can I ask you something really quick? When you go to bed at night, do you review your day? Yes. I wonder if you lived your life as the intentional yes. woman that you are? Yes. I do the same thing.
2: Yes. So I, I do. In that same journal. Yeah. I have to. Consult it throughout the day to stick to my schedule Uh to make sure that I'm hitting my target goals. I'm looking at daily goals and quarterly goals. And at the end of the night, I have to examine what could I have done better? What were today's wins? So I still have to find three wins. And what am I grateful for tonight? And then before I close the journal, I look at the following day and I design my day so that when I wake up in the morning, I can get into gratitude and I am running my day. I'm not letting the day run me.
1: Yeah. Which, by the way, I think is the reason why you're such a successful woman. I think because you have designed a life by intention and looking at every single day with the intention of doing the best that you can for that day.
2: And it's a work in progress. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like everything. When you get into the habit of doing that, your success increases. You earn more money. You build better relationships. You're in better physical condition. You're healthier. All of these things happen. And then we get comfortable and we take for granted
1: that yeah. we're getting
2: this way. So then we stop doing the thing that, that was not keeping there. us consistent. Yeah. And so when we abandon that. Then we become sloppy. We start gaining the weight. We exactly. associate ourselves with people that we typically wouldn't have allowed into our circle. We start to behave we get lazy ourselves. Again. We get lazy again. We get lazy. Complacent. Complacent. My income suffers. So we're constantly reacting. And
1: you write your ship. When you see your ship balancing itself, sinking or maybe going to the tip, you balance it back. You catch yes. you catch yourself and I do the same thing. When I, I I always say that I'm a creature of routine and a creature of, of of stability. To me, stability is so freaking important. Like so important. If I start to feel like that my ship is starting to tilt or that water is starting to get on, I do whatever it takes to get it right back on the middle. And sometimes it's disconnecting people, sometimes it's getting rid of things that are Causing
2: my ship to kind of go I off find balance. That so interesting, yeah. Because we all require balance. Yes. Then there are those of us—I'm speaking for myself now—who yeah, thrive on drama. So in my 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 training is <laughs> in communications, and I was often told that I excel at crisis communications. In the moment of crisis. <laughs> I'm that person you want to have handling the crisis. I'm really good about oh, getting wow. into solution. I'm really good into writing up statements on behalf of the company or the family. Yeah. I'm really good about doing the damage control and managing that crisis. And then I'll lose my shit later once it's all been handled. Right. Yeah. So I'm very Olivia Pope. In yeah. That I used to work on political campaigns I really all could. The time. I could. I love wow. that. I love that. Chief of staff. I could do that, but I prefer to be the chief of staff of my own life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and so when I did a personality test on, um, looking at, the higher, the hierarchical human needs, like the need for shelter, to be level, yeah, to be yeah, Maslow's hierarchy. Yes. yes, my yeah. number one hierarchical need yeah. was the need for imbalance and the unknown. That's, oh, that's why I cannot be an accountant, or I cannot have the same day every single day. Oh, I thrive. I'm spontaneous. I love the last minute thing. However, I'm
1: the opposite.
2: And you need more of that in your I life. Do. But I need more of the balance in my life. So then what happens is I get so distracted that I lose myself and I stop making myself a priority. So it's all about creating that right balance. Only when you are in balance can you really maintain that level of confidence, which is the number one thing that men find attractive about women. And Mm -hmm. so the last thing that I said that you said was super intriguing was I'm not my vagina. Yeah. So when I was insecure, Uh I gave my vagina freely to men because I thought that was where my value and worth was placed. But guess what? When I gave it up so easily, since I I was telling them in a way, this is my entire value. value Yeah. They weren't valuing the rest of me since I gave them the one thing that is the most valuable thing.
1: And you're like, why are you not valuing me? I just gave it up.
2: Mm. No, I protect the vajayjay, and it's like, no, homie, you don't get in on this until you seduce me up here in my brain first. Seduce my heart, seduce my brain, and then maybe we can talk sex. So stop giving away your sexuality, and it's just not your vajayjay. It's blowjobs. It's handies. It's whatever, right? It's, yeah. Stop leading. You no, intimacy
1: that. sometimes it's yeah. just, it needs to be, it needs to be valued a little more. It,
2: it does. Think. Yeah. It does, and that's definitely not something that I valued before. Mm-hmm. I saw it as this act of empowerment, and I am woman here, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, you know, I still believe in all that. Like women desire oral sex just as much as men. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. For me, that's a deal breaker. You don't do that, we're not going to be in a relationship. <laughs> that's just <laughs> what it is. It's mine too. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a deal breaker. Yeah, at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm just going to, you know, share it like I used to because it's precious and it's mine and it's a gift.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only issue I have is when we teach the girls when they're early on that if they give it up, they're not valuable anymore.
2: Oh God, no! I
1: hate that mentality. Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh, you already slept with the guy. You have to marry him. Bullshit! Oh my God, that Bullshit. is like the worst thing you can tell someone when
2: they're young. By the way, them. who's the one that invented that? Probably
1: Matt, right? <laughs> Um, I think
2: so. I think the guys, which typically comes from men, all this this bullshit on women. Ladies, if someone tells you you're damaged goods, you're talking to the wrong men, elevate your thinking, elevate your circle, elevate your environment. You are hanging out in the wrong place.
1: Yeah. So part of being confident and part of those three things that you mentioned today, Ariana, which is something that you, I know you live by because I've known you a while now and I know those are things that you are very, very clear on, Um, is the fact that when you become that confident woman, you realize that all of those three things matter nothing. That filter matters nothing. That waistline matters nothing. None of those things matter unless you don't really take care and love yourself enough to make those decisions as you confront life. Yes. Or as you meet your next, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, your next connection. Which, by the way, confidence is attractive to other women as friends. Correct. And as females, I love being surrounded by women who are confident. I really am not intimidated by them at all because what I sense is I get energy from that and that boosts my confidence. I feel I don't feel any less than when I when I meet women that are much more confident, much more, you know, uh, you know, bigger, better than me. I always aspire to that and I always feel like I will be that, not that I'm any less than, but you know what? I boost that myself in that way.
2: There's um there's two mentality styles. One is the woman that hangs out with a group of people where she feels like superior. And she's a bully and she feels superior by putting everyone else down. So that is a bully. That is the most, that is the biggest form of insecurity. And that is ego at its highest performance level, right? And then there's the other mentality, which I mentioned earlier, I think in the previous episode if you're the smartest, most talented, most successful, best looking person in your group, you need to elevate your group. I want to grow once I've arrived at that level. That's not to say that I'm going to neglect that group that I'm with. It's continue to grow. And so for me, it's key that anyone who's going to boss up and be a part of my life be it business, friendships, romantic Anything relationships. Is. They have to be on this constant path of a continual growth. And that's why I need someone that's going to challenge and encourage me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if I, it's like, it's like this, 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 this thing that I saw on Facebook the other day. It yeah. said either we grow together or we grow apart. Yeah.
1: And that's why a lot of marriages fail when they get married very young because they grow apart. They don't grow together. And I think a lot of those people just tend to either she outgrows him or he outgrows her.
2: Well, even when you're not young, I was 27 when I got married, and that's exactly what happened in my marriage of 10 years. Mm -hmm. And being elevated to the highest form of yourself should be our continuous goal no Always. matter your religious belief or whatever it may be it's to be yeah. the ultimate version of myself and i'm never gonna stop because i never arrive at perfection there is no perfect human
1: being and by the way self-fulfillment is the highest level of that hierarchy Yeah. And from what I've read, maybe only one or two people have ever reached that part because there's always something to learn. Correct. There's always something to know more about. Um, And I think part of what your strategies, your three things that you talked about is things that are actually very doable.
2: Barry, if you put your time and effort and put yourself first, here's the challenge. I love that. I love those. Here's the challenge. And here is where I can tell the difference between those who are ready and those who are not. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you right now. Yes. If you are ready or if you are not. So if you are ready to change your life. It means being okay with getting the most uncomfortable comfortable i often encounter people who keep re- repeating the same behavior over and over and yeah. it's like the alcoholic <laughs> that says i promise to quit drinking but never does it's an ism it's not that they're bad people trying to be good it's that like they're sick people that need help. alcoholics for the most part addicts they're numbing themselves from facing the reality and so the moment you remove yourself from the actual physical thing, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be, yes. what you realize is that what you have is a world full of resentments that you have not acknowledged and addressed. So when you are okay, when you are ready to address your mommy issues your daddy issues or sexual issues or body image issues, all of those issues, yeah. you're going to know that you're at that place when you feel like there's nothing else you can do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When you arrive at this point of severe and total devastation where you're like, I've tried it all. Mm-hmm. I'm putting my hands up in the air. There's nothing else that I can do. I've tried it. The problem in that is that you tried it. It's that I statement the worst part about self-help books it's the self part no <laughs> no no you have to go to someone else you know what i think a
1: lot of people don't realize that you could have that conversation with someone like a you therapist, have
2: to or a professional or you somebody and you know they just feel like they can't they shouldn't no so you know you're ready for that conversation with yourself when you're ready to admit that you're not the be all end all, when you can surrender to the fact that you don't have a solution in your hand, and when you recognize this joy and this aura that you see from people like myself, and you want that so bad, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Now, how you know that you're not ready yet is you're frightened by the idea yeah. Of acknowledging your emotions, if you are frightened by the thought, you're not ready yet, and it's okay because you know what, everybody has to hit a rock bottom or rock bottoms for me in in life. Yeah, in order for you to finally grasp for that help and say, "All right, I surrender. I, I need help." Right. Yeah. So that's um, definitely
1: gonna be the next conversation perfect. on how you went about to get that help Yes. when you have those bottoms that you talk about because I think those are great learning lessons. Um and 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 lessons that our Tina's definitely need to hear because I'm sure one or two, a few of them may be going through something similar. Um, and they just need to know that you've gone through it yourself and you came out on the other side and you're still working yourself
2: out through that. Yes. And yeah. these are the types of workshops that we implement at our Tina Toss. For events. sure. You know, that is one of the things that was in our core mission
1: from the beginning. How do we give them some of those tools so that they can also go
2: out into the world and go from inspiration to implementation? Yeah,
1: Push, push, push forward. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for sharing those things. And again, I'm going to give you homework. You've got to put that out there <laughs> I'm so on the social media.
0: Okay, teacher. profesora.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You don't do it. Um, okay. So, yeah, for sure, professora. <laughs> la profe. La, la profe. And um, so, yeah, I would love for for you to share those things out there because I think those are three really good, good uh, nuggets um, to, take, to take home with us. And again, September 28th is our next. Uh, big event or big conference. We're playing some really great stuff. We're going to talk about um, overcoming obstacles and unleashing ourselves, things that hold us back. And I think you've got a taste of what we talk about on our podcast. Again, give us your feedback. Tell us what you're thinking. Tell us what you want us to address. Maybe there's a topic out there that we haven't talked about. There's so many. Oh, we're going to talk about oral sex on the next one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a little teaser for you guys. Because um, that is those are
2: topics that the teens also confront, right? No, yeah, we want to be, <laughs> be unconventional, raw, naked, authentic. <laughs> um, Remove the lid on those taboo topics. We can give tips on how to, per, like, how to give the proper BJ and ah, that sort of thing. Ah, I'm, ah, ah, that matters. That <laughs> matters. That could be the key to that could be the key defining moment in your relationship it oh, makes. Makes. You never know. But definitely follow us,
1: tell your friends about us, and give us your likes and comments, please.
0: We want to know what you guys are thinking.
2: Stay naked. Stay naked.